Welcome to the Wheelhouse Podcast, Andrew. We're back after uh, a surprisingly really, really good week 12. How are you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm glad that we're here and not watching the Monday night game, which is actually really disguised. It's a Monday night game disguising itself as a Monday night, and it really is a Thursday night matchup. Like, it's really not enviable at the moment. Oh, yeah. This is definitely like Jags and condoms Thursday night. <laughs> on nfl tv like five years oh. ago oh yeah <laughs> yeah so this is a real montezuma specials right here uh andrew what what did we learn last week so i think this is a topic we've gone on before about in terms of coaching management situational awareness being able to not only manage the game but manage your team and kind of have a, a ceo type of aura amongst your your talent and amongst your other coaches. And this is something I thought about this weekend in college football, because I, I, I think that unfortunately my university's head coach had a bit of a step back in terms of trying to overanalyze and trying to be too aggressive in times when it may have not been necessary. And I think it's, it's telling to me that a lot of times what I'm seeing these days, and we're probably seeing, especially with offensive play callers is these guys who are coordinators first, and then they become head coaches without actually being head coaches at lower levels. I think traditionally in the past, you had guys who rose up the ranks and were head coaches. Like, for example, I remember someone like Rich Rodriguez in the college level. Like, he played, he actually co was a head coach on like a lower level program and then became an offensive coordinator at Tulane, did great there, and then became the head coach of West Virginia. Right. So, like, he kind of, had experience as a head coach, but then he went back to being a coordinator, but he had already had that experience of kind of leading people and getting his way into the system. I've, I've sort of thought about the same thing with the NFL and just, I, I'm starting to wonder like this high, the hiring process we've talked about, but also just look, there's going to be a lot of growing pains with first year head coaches. Like this is just what's going to happen because I think we're, we're realizing that people are just being given jobs at really young ages after being served in small roles and not actually having an experience at a certain level. Now, sometimes you can hit a home run off the bat. Like, you know, Sean McVay is kind of an example of that, right? Like he just, that was just a slam dunk for the Rams, but that's so that's such an anomaly. And yet I feel like people are trying to expect that to happen a lot of the time. And, you know, it's also a matter of whether you grow out of the position or not, or what you do. I mean, look, Oregon just lost their offensive coordinator like to ASU. He's 32 years old. He's barely older than I am. Like he's he's uh, he's the first head coach in the NCAA that was born in the 1990s. Like, good for him. Fantastic. I'm glad he's going back to somewhere he's familiar with. But that's asking a lot for someone to read a, a decently sized college program at that age after one really good year at a college at a at a, at a power five college as the offensive coordinator for a team. And it's, I, I just wonder in terms of transitioning into that, that head coaching role, like that's, it's such a tough ask. And I just feel like there either a needs to be time and patience with this or B the hiring process has to change. It, it's, it, but it's, it's, it's a big trend I've noticed at both levels, NFL and college. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, I think my contribution to this conversation, I think is a little bit more, I'm going to go ahead and say a little bit more of a social anthropology <laughs> outlook is what I'll call it. 
Sure. I, I, so let's take like Nathaniel Hackett from the Broncos, right? To me, it the way he got hired for that job kind of just seemed like a social campaign. It was mm. like a political campaign. If if you actually use logic, okay, what actually qualified him to even really be in the conversation to be a head coach? Okay, so he was Aaron Rodgers offensive coordinator for two MVP runs. Okay. Was he calling plays for Aaron Rodgers? No. That was still uh Matt LaFleur calling the plays, right? So he's not calling plays. Okay. Uh did he do anything to actually like develop Aaron Rodgers? No. Okay. Fine. Okay. Has he had any head coaching experience along his way? No. What what is it that actually qualifies him other than a, a, a political campaign, really? And that happens every offseason in, in the NFL, right? Other than a political campaign, what makes this guy really, like, actually qualified for this job, right? Makes no sense. Uh, we talked about Brian Dayball earlier. This is a guy that's been, he's had lots of jobs for a long period of time, Right. And what makes him qualified? Well, he's calling the plays for Buffalo, right? He developed Josh Allen. So there's a couple feathers in his cap, right? Like, okay, this makes a lot of sense why this guy was qualified for the job. I think he obviously exceeded our expectations, right, in his first yeah. year. And he's doing would, he's doing yeah. really well. Uh, I know that the Giants are coming back down to earth, but we, we definitely didn't think they were going to have a shot to even actually be competing for a playoff spot. But here mm-hmm. we are, right? But these other these other gigs or these other head coaches, like what is it that I, I feel like we lose sight of what makes someone actually qualified and competent for these jobs? And are we really actually back checking? Are we are we basically just listening to what the media is saying or are we buying into the cult of personality? I mean, you mm-hmm. could you could talk about this in finance or even in government. You know, I don't want to get too into uh, Donald Trump, but I think a lot of that had to do with personality, not policy, right? Or mm-hmm. you take the FT, FTX scandal. You know, I if you go in and kind of look at when people were starting investing in into FTX, they really weren't checking their books very closely. They really weren't doing their due diligence, right? They were just kind of like listening to what everyone else had been saying, or they kind of they kind of had FOMO, right? They didn't want to miss out on the crypto craze. Right. In case it was legit. So we I feel like in the NFL, a lot of it has kind of become like what's happening in outside of the football world. And, you know, in the real world, we're not really following how you should, you know, fact check or you should do a background check or actually really do your research before you like invest in somebody financially. So that would just be my two cents on it. I just feel like we've kind of lost our way a little bit culturally. Yeah, no, I do, and I think it's 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 emblematic of some of the disasters we've seen this season, especially with Nathaniel Hackett in consideration, you know, or just just lineage, or you know, I I don't want to specifically point to nepotism, but I do believe it's a factor. Oh in yeah, some of these decisions, and Absolutely. that's just something, and that's you know, we're at a we're at a time where tradition is very much still isn't very important, but it sometimes may bypass some of the normal practices that we should be having in terms of when we evaluate this sort of talent and when we need to be able to bring certain people into the building that also being considered for 
as well as patience. That's something else that I'm also kind of yes, that's a big wondering one. about. That's a big one for me. Can I, if I might give you another example, and I don't want to just be at the college level, but this is kind of where my whole thing stemmed from. Mm-hmm. So the offensive coordinator, the last one, or a few years ago for Oregon, Marcus Arroyo got a head coaching gig at UNLV. UNLV as a football program is a dearth. Like there's nothing there. They have had, I think, four winning seasons since 1988. Like they're just non-existent. So first year, they don't win any games. It's a tough year. It's COVID year. That's 2020. Last year, they won two or three games. This year, they went five and seven. So they're almost getting the bowl eligibility territory. So they're having steady improvement. They let them go. They let the guy go because they like, you know, it's, I, the AD changed, and I know that the athletic director kind of situation was flux, in flux there. But the fact that there's just no patience for that, now, did I think he was qualified when he got the job? No. But did he seem to be at least improving and trying to create some semblance of culture for a team that really had none to begin with? It seemed to me like he was. Uh, so that's another thing, too, is like patience and, the, and and what process you're trying to go through and what are you vetting it through and where are you standing with these guys? Because trying to bring someone in, A, having a, the incorrect process of bringing these guys in and B, not having any patience, I think is like a death knell to any sort of any sort of transition into consistency yeah patience is absolutely very important i think you know it it's it's even harder now like teams have even less patience than they used to um so it, it's super difficult you know if if you think about it i'm not sure that bill belichick would have been able to keep his job had it been today you know like yeah. he he needed quite a bit of time to uh to get right you know in the nfl and obviously getting brady certainly helped but you know you could kind of say the same thing about like matt rule you know i wonder if he had the quarterback would he still be in the nfl because that panthers team is fucking good you know like they play really hard they they're really frisky but they just haven't had the quarterback and he paid the price for that but it was that really his fault not really you know Especially this year in the NFC South, are you kidding me? Like they actually had a quarterback. I think they would have been favorites to win that division if they had any any consistency under center, which they just not have just have not since Cam Newton left. Right. Yeah. So I think a lot of times you really it's hard to evaluate these situations. You have to really look at them holistically and thoroughly because you know shoot, there's a lot of different guys I think were really close to losing their jobs and then their quarterback came along finally and, you know, now they're doing real well. Uh, you know, Pete Carroll, he almost lost that Seattle job. I think that's kind of, that's been kind of um, forgotten a little bit. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. until Russell Wilson came along and started playing pretty well that they finally got that situation figured out. And obviously he's been a really good coach, but, I mean, you have to have the quarterback too. There's a lot of things that go into it. Um now, as far as what I learned, Andrew, uh, I learned that the zebras in the NFL still don't know what a catch is. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we had so many different situations this weekend where uh, clearly they just don't know what a catch is anymore. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, we'll get into it when it comes to Cowboy Joe West, but uh, there's just some just – they, they don't know. They still don't know, Andrew. And uh, I, I, I don't know how you fix this. You flip a coin. That's how you fix it. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what they're doing. I, I, they need either they need to define the verbiage more 
concretely, concretely, or they just need to show the people or whoever it is in New York. I don't know who it is, if it's a bunch of monkeys at the panel or what. But you got to be able to just say, hey, look, here's what we're looking for. If it's this, rule it this way. If it's this, don't rule it this way. Like, there has to be some sort of level of concreteness. It's such a, it just feels like a guessing game most of the time, especially when they take so long in these reviews. Like, for example, that Seattle game yesterday, you know, they're trying to figure out what what was a catch from DK Metcalf. I mean, he initially looked like he had control of it and he's rolling over and then it became loose and then he kind of rolled out of bounds. Well, I've seen cases where that probably gets ruled a catch in some instances because he had control of it long enough, quote unquote. So that's the thing. It's like there's no there's no definition of it because I don't think they bothered to give it a definition, at least not a con- concrete enough one, you know? Well, it, it, it's it's unfortunately left too much into interpretation by the refereeing crew, and it should be consistent. It should be consistent, and it's right. not because you have human error. Like, yeah, I, I'll just leave it at that because I want to save it for jo- uh, Cowboy Joe West, but, I mean, just <laughs> this was a, honestly yeah. just a horrible weekend for the Zebras for many reasons, so we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, why don't we go ahead and go to the awards. Uh, Joe Harris Award. Andrew, and uh, we're giving it to Brian Robinson Jr. and his giant baseball cap. Uh, this rookie, uh, he's uh, really starting to come on last few games, but he was just dominant against the Falcons. Now, granted, the Falcons don't have a great run defense. I grant you that, but it was dominant. I mean, it was 18 carries for 105 yards. The guy was running upright the entire time. Uh, he was breaking tackles. Like, he could not be brought down one-on-one. Uh, I mean, he was just – he just – I mean, he out-physical the entire Atlanta defense. It was awesome to watch. I mean, they just could not stop this man. He was so dominant. I mean, even the backup running back was doing damage. Uh, Williams, number 41. I mean, this, you know, if this, if this condom team could keep playing like this, Andrew, they're kind of a scary team if they actually get into the playoffs. Uh, what Mr. Robinson taught me is that basically the futures on giant hats, way up. Way <laughs> up. We're, we're, we're working on this. <laughs> Stonks are way up on that. Uh, yeah. Uh, aside from his enviable fashion sense, I think he had a, a fantastic game. Really, it's really nice to see him play well, especially considering that he literally got shot. I know before the season started, which is <laughs> it's, it, it's just just absolutely insane. But he's come all the way back. He's managed to make a, a contribution to a team that has caught fire. I mean, this team since I believe it's week six has the is tied for the best record in the NFL. This team is six and one since that point. Like that's, uh, this is not a team that like we were talking about the giants being un, like unpredictable uh, benefactors of Brian Dable being head coach and being in a playoff position. I mean, uh, the commanders even more so in my opinion, I mean, especially where they started and yet, and they've completely revived themselves. Now they don't play the prettiest brand of football and they are going to be in a lot of close games, but they just find a way to grind through these games. And it is because of that run game. And Brian Robinson jr. Is definitely a centerpiece of that. Yeah. I mean, if they're going to win ball games, it's going to be continuing to, to dominate the run and man, that offensive line, they'll put the rubber on you. And I'm not just mm-hmm. saying that cause they're called the condoms. I'm just saying they'll protect you. Uh, that run, that run <laughs> blocking is insane. It was great to watch. I mean, they were just fucking dominant. So uh, kudos to Brian Robinson Jr. I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to you, Andrew, though, for Mike Lennon Award winner since you uh, you called this one out in real time. 
I did. So uh, during a less than watchable game between the 49ers and the Saints, <laughs> Uh, a name popped up on the screen, which happened to be Chris Harris Jr. Now, I'm familiar with this man because he was on my Chargers last year. And at that point, I thought he was getting old and too slow to really be able to play DB anymore. And I believe our uh, the the front office made the same decision in letting him go. Well, here he is making seven tackles in the middle of a of a, a basically a dogfight between two teams that really should not be scoring less than 20 total points. And yet here we are. I think he, <laughs> he, he, uh, he, he seems to be still making contributions, but you know, this, this it's, I was kind of amazed to see him still contribute on the saints team, which we, I think, I think both the Seb and I are on record as saying this is the weirdest team in the NFL. Like this is such a mystery of a team from week to week. This is the weirdest team in the last five years. I have no idea. They're the weirdest team to guess anything on. You have no idea what you're going to get. And, uh, yeah, Chris Harris Jr. showing up definitely felt like an addition of uh, who he played for with Charles Barkley, and he was going to get it wrong. So <laughs> Chris Harris Jr., your Mike Lennon Award winner. Uh, let's go ahead and go to Bold Strategy Cotton, and uh, we're going to go ahead and give it to the Bengals, uh, in particular to uh, Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Amarillo and uh, uh, the run game. I mean, Andrew... That was a really impressive game. Uh, they just mm -hmm. they just beat Tennessee just straight up, you know, like they beat them at their own game. They out physical them with the run game, and they ran it right up the middle. I didn't know Samaji P Ryan had that at him. I was shocked. I, and they just couldn't they couldn't stop him. They they imposed their you know they met their iron with iron. Um, Joe Burrow got protected really well for like the first time in his entire career. The offensive line like won a lot, which was crazy. Um, I think having a good run game, you know, being physical like that really helped and it helped ease up that pass blocking. Um, but that run game was impressive. And and then the defense, Andrew. I mean, in the second half, they only allowed Tennessee four possessions and they were 0 for 3 in the red zone. Tennessee's wow. actually one of the better red zone offenses in the NFL like when they get in the red zone they punch it in that's typically what happens there even with Derrick Henry out if you actually go look at their numbers they're they're really good in the red zone they were 0 for 3 Andrew they only had one touchdown and it was an accident you know like uh Derrick Henry who loses the ball in that big run <laughs> and, yeah. and Burks you know give Burks credit he you know he had the presence of mind and he was able to jump on it yeah. but you know if not for that they wouldn't even they may not even have had a touchdown in that ball game uh, I know they missed uh, a bad, you know, uh, field goal. But at the end of the day, you know, I the Bengals outplayed them for the entire game. Um, and they kind of beat them at their own game. So kudos to the Bengals. I, I'm not brave enough to say to give it to Zach Taylor directly. But, I mean, look, he's got his team playing really well. I, I, I have to credit Traylon Burks for saving a lot of fantasy owners with that recovery because i mean <laughs> derrick henry was about ready to lose two and the Bengals defense was about to be the benefactors but if you had burks on your on your starting lineup and your flex congratulations you got a fumble touchdown but so yeah look i i don't even think this is a necessarily a case of the titans not playing well or not having a good nope. strategy I, you're right i think the Bengals just straight up like beat them at every position there's beat them and the thing that really was emblematic of this was when Mike Rabel, with about six minutes left, took that uh, took that field goal and was trying to get the ball back 
thinking his defense, which had been pretty reliable the entire season, was going to get the ball back. It was some form or fashion of time yeah. to be able to win the game. And the Bengals just just marched down the field, ate the entire clock, and ended the game, which is really hard to do. Like, in yeah. any, I don't care what defense you're playing against. That's really hard to do in the NFL, especially in the fourth quarter. And they just outplayed them. They, they, they came back to the scene of the crime that they had in January when they stole them. Uh, stole their souls away when they were the number one seed, and they did the same thing here. Uh, it's really impressive, especially again considering that there was no Jamar Chase on the field. Yeah, I, and it didn't really matter because that wasn't even the game plan. Uh, so yeah, uh, it was just impressive. Uh, not so impressive, Andrew. Cowboy Joe West Award oh. winner. Uh, we're gonna we, we got two we got two things here to go over. Number one, Alex Kemp crew. The Hunter Henry catch that wasn't a catch. I mean, even Bill Belichick after the game, you know, they asked him, was it a catch? And he said, I don't know. Why don't you go ask the NFL? <laughs> I mean, no, <laughs> nobody's got an answer. I mean, the point of his response is nobody fucking knows what it is anymore. They can go ahead and tell you, and they don't fucking know. That, it's just horrible. There was a catch earlier this season with uh, Kelsey against the uh, Colts where it's the same thing. He doesn't, quote, unquote, survive the ground, and they still gave him the touchdown. Now, yeah. that, that, now, that's the kind of thing where, you know, I keep doing this the entire season. I get my tinfoil hat out, and I say, clearly, there's a conspiracy. The NFL wants certain things to happen because it's good for the league. It's good for gambling. But, you know, it, it's just a bad look. And there was a, bunch of, there was a bunch of different scenarios like that this weekend, Andrew, where it's just like, uh, how, do we, how is this still an issue? Yeah, no, I, I, I can't believe it still is. And the fact that, like, yeah, basically, I mean, if you had taken Kelsey's name tag and put it on the back of Henry, I'm sure he would have been the benefactor. Exactly. Like, and that's the, <laughs> that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, it it shouldn't is. matter it, whose it is, name it is. It is side by side. It is uncanny how similar those plays are. And it's, I remember bad. watching both plays in real time. It's just it's just horrible. Um, I, again, it just, it just feels like it's just to whatever the person feels that day, whoever's evaluating the catch. It's just whatever they feel like today. So bad beat. Another bad beat is, uh, Sean Hockley. I mean, there was nothing about the saints at San Francisco game that should have mattered to anybody. But every time they came on red zone, another fucking penalty. Now he didn't have the most penalties in that game. 13 penalties were called, called, in all, Andrew, it wasn't even the most. Uh, the Cowboys game actually had twenty, but mm. but again, you know, I felt I, a big reason in my opinion that game even was what it was was simply due to just too much Sean Hockley. Too many times up. It's time for me to steal the spotlight here. People are here to see me. Nobody's fucking here to see you, dude. Nobody was there to see your dad either. Stop it. Too many ridiculous penalties. It's just <laughs> too. It, it, it's different if it was like you know offsides or you know a pretty obvious pi right no it's never that it's always some ticky tacky bullshit nobody knows what the fuck it is it, it's it's such it's such a bad beat i mean there should have been no reason to see that fucking game but you know sean he's got to make sure we see him yeah it feels like the red curtain's coming up and he's coming out to take a bow to the crowd like yes that's right this is my encore here you go another yeah, one another always one. throwing another another one it also feels like um, I'm not sure if you've ever seen uh, Rick, Rick and Morty, 
or no Mr. Meeseeks. Do you know that no, uh, character no. of the show? Oh, okay. Well, uh, basically, there's a, there's a thing in the show where they have some like helper who basically pops out of a box and it's supposed to help you and get your char down. But the thing he says first, he goes, "I'm Mr. Meeseeks. Look at me." Well, that feels like feels like Mr. Hockley every time he shows up and throws his laundry on the field. Um, I'm shocked that there were only 13 penalties because it felt like 30. Oh, like it, it, he every single time there was just felt like there was something that had to be done in that game, and that was. It, I'm not sure if it was the worst game or just the strangest game or a combination of the both, but it, Mr. Hockley did not help in that regard whatsoever because he uh, so very vividly wanted to be the star of the show. It, it's so bad. And then on top of that, I have to endure Scott Hansen on red zone. It's just fucking terrible. I can't. He's, he's getting even more annoying with time. I just mostly, I don't know about you, but I, I've been, this is the most in any year. I've just had my TV on mute. Like whether it's like whether I'm watching red zone or an actual game, you know, like a, without going to red zone, I just, I just can't do it with half of these people anymore. Uh, did you want to say I mean, something? Yeah. No, I mean I'm I'm fine with Mr. Hockley. I have not gotten to that level with him yet. As you have. <laughs> I've, I, but I'm I'm a more forgiving individual in that regard. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to uh, you, you called this one in real time as well, which you know I'm gonna let you have at it. The Anthony Lynn Express and uh, the main conductor this week on the train is Dan Campbell. Oh boy. Um, look, you know. I, I, I admire Dan's audacity to believe in his defense because clearly that's what he wanted to do against Josh Allen. Um, this ain't it, Tom. Like, <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't need to do this. This is not, this is not the time to be a hero. Like, I, I do not understand his clock management at the end of that game. It was, like, mind-numbingly inefficient. I cannot believe throwing for it on third and one when you could have easily ran the ball and eight clock up and tried to kick a field goal, which that field goal almost missed too. Like, I'm not sure if you saw it, but it almost turned out and then miraculously turned back in by whatever invisible force there was inside a Ford field that managed to make it go back inside. But you're already playing, playing on eggshells at that point anyways. And then to basically not, be in a concerted effort to take off any more time or leave any sort of semblance of seconds to Josh Allen to allow him to drive down the field and score a game-winning field goal. I just, like, did he watch that Bills-Chiefs game in the playoffs last year? Like, I, I have no idea what in the world he was thinking. And I just, I, I'm amazed at how how hard he can get his team to play and yet how just completely <laughs> baffling the decisions are from his team down the stretch or from him himself. It's just, I, I'm at a loss for words with this guy. They need to hire a pocket watch coordinator. That's what they Please. need. They got to hire Please. somebody to help him out. I mean, Please. Uh, it's, it's, it's bad beat for Dan Campbell. Yeah. Um, even worse beat Andrew, the Jeff Fisher football guy award, Denver Broncos, you know, three time award winners at this point, uh, Nathaniel Hackett, Right to the jaw. I mean, it, it's just bad. They could only muster 10 points against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I mean, just bad all around. Clearly, Andrew, you know, in watching some highlights and things like that, that team has clearly quit listening to that guy. They're they're done with the staff. They're done. I'm kind of surprised you didn't get fired on the tarmac yesterday. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I, I am as well. 
I feel like, though, if you're trying at this point, you're not going to win that many games, right? So mm-hmm. maybe try to, well, here's the other thing. You already lost your first overall pick. So what, what I was about to say doesn't even matter. You traded it for Russell Wilson. So I, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten fired. Yeah, I, I am surprised. Yeah, it's really bad. Uh, <laughs> Josh McDaniels was uh, a play away from being on this list as well, but they won the ball game. Uh Although he tried his best to make sure it didn't happen, but they did win the ball game. But I mean, at least they at least they are full of life, right? The Raiders. I mean, this Broncos team—they are dead. They are dead, and you could tell the frustration. And we'll get to that in a second. Here is is boiled over. Yeah, that's another another masterpiece in Carolina yesterday. Unbelievable. Uh, which gets us to the toughest beat of the week, Andrew Russell Wilson. I, I think this is the lowest he's ever been in his career. Okay. Yeah. You back up oh, yeah. defensive tackle. Mike Purcell yells at you. Nobody comes to your defense. Okay. The head coach is right in front of is, you know, right there. Uh, Russell doesn't yell back at him. He just says something back to him. They both, you know, said that basically they were just trying to motivate the other, you know, Purcell was saying he was trying to motivate Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson said he was trying to get motivated. It It looked like a lot more than that. It looked like a lot more than that. And they're stuck with his ass with Russell Wilson. They are stuck with his ass. And then make matters worse, our guy Brian Burns <laughs> from the from the Panthers trolls Wilson after sacking him and he starts imitating his whole meditation routine. And I mean, I can't wait till the subway commercials get made fun of. It's man, tough beat, man. Toughest beat of the week. I hope that when they were having that exchange that Wilson said, yeah, man, let's ride. Like I, 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 God, I hope he said that. I know he probably didn't, but like that would, that would have just been icing on the cake. Look, Russ has been decimated by everything that's gone around him. But I also think he has also just become a lesser form of himself. I, 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 it's kind of shocking to see this level of regression from him, but considering all the factors of the inefficiencies of the offense, what's going on around him and no structural, the really just like no structural integrity within the team at the moment. But also I guess just as a player has just physically for some reason has just not done the same things we're used to. And I, I, I want to know like what foresight or what, how in the world the, the Seahawks were able to see this from a mile away. Like I, I cannot believe they were able to foretell this be a talisman and let and let this happen. It's just I don't know. It's kind of amazing. Well, they have them in practice. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with the Jets. Like they, people were surprised, myself included. You wisely not, but you know, people were surprised. They decided to start Mike White over Joe Flacco. Clearly, they saw enough in practice. So yeah. you know, I give the Seahawks credit. Like they were way ahead on this, and they fleeced the Denver Broncos. Oh yeah. At this point, I mean, they fleeced them. Uh, clearly they were right. Uh, you know, it is a little bit revisionist history to say, I mean, I thought Denver was going to finish last in our division, you know, in the AFC West. I, I did think that going into it. Um, I thought it was a little overhyped. I just kind of thought like, look, I, I, who the fuck knows about this head coach? Who knows? Right. Yeah. And Russell, I was like, eh, I got to see it. You know, he hasn't been good for a while. I got to see it. Um, but it's, it's, been way worse than I thought it was going to be. I thought they would be, you know, a pretty competitive team 
and just year one, just, you know, they're working it out. It's a new roster. It's a new head coach, you know, working it out. But, I mean, it has been – they're lucky to have the three wins that they have. I yeah. mean, the, the game against Jacksonville, they should have lost. Jacksonville fucking blew that game because clearly they're a good team. Or they're becoming – you know, they're becoming a good team, I think. Mm-hmm. And who else they beat? They beat uh, the Texans, who are the, just the Texans, which doesn't count. They're trying to lose. Yeah. Um. I mean, they just. I mean, in both times against the Raiders, they've gotten fleeced. You yeah. know. Uh. So it's it, it, it's undeniable how bad it's been, and I don't even know if they hit the bottom yet, dude. Arguably, they haven't, and we keep getting yet. And yet we keep ge- getting graced with their presence on primetime because this yeah. is exactly this is exactly what we all asked for. You know, we wanted to have all of them be on, on primetime and have all their talent displayed for all the world to see. Well, we're getting it in full force. And uh, I hate to tell you this, but there's still some on the horizon. Now, I think their Sunday night game against uh, against Kansas City is going to get flexed out because NBC, NBC absolutely does not want anything to do with that. So I think... I think that that one will be flexed out, and it looks like the rest of their games are are in the afternoon. But man, it's it's been tough, man. Like this has been one of the roughest outings, and I just think it's it's uh, again, it's just it's so shocking to see it fail so miserably. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely way worse than I could have ever predicted. Um, before we get on to our lines, Andrew, honorable mention. I mean, this guy. You gotta love him. He he finds a way, Andrew, to get in to the toughest beat. Our guy Kyler Murray. Uh, I'm gonna just read you the quote, man. Uh, so when asked about you know their the performance on Sunday versus the Chargers, this is a quote. This is not the Onion. This is not the Hard Times. This is not Friday beers. This is an actual quote. There's film of this. This man literally said schematically, we're kind of fucked. Talk about throwing your coach under the bus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And look, Cliff Kingsbury, not 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 Bill Walsh, okay? Not Bill Walsh. But at the same time, like, he's never thrown Kyler under the bus, okay? Give him credit. He he's play he plays it right in public, right? He doesn't he defends his guys, all that. I mean, if I was if I was Kingsbury, I'd be like, fuck this guy. I hope I get fired or I fuck this guy. Dude, let me ask you something straight up. Would the Cardinals have had a better chance of winning playing Colt McCoy yesterday? You know, I've gone back and forth on that because I've heard the same thing. I think it would have been about the same because I think Colt's look, say we want about Kyler, his physical gifts at least are annoying to deal with. And him running and him running around was a real nuisance yesterday. I hated seeing him run around. It really annoyed the hell out of me. I think in terms of maybe doing more in the fourth quarter, maybe they could have done a couple more things. I think the cl- I think the game would have still been the same. Like I think the result would have been just as close, but at least there's like a better sense of like you know what they're trying to do on offense with Colt. But man, like it's amazing to see him like throw Cliff under the bus, roll him back over, and then drive him over again. And like it, it, this guy. This he guy is he has never taken accountability for a goddamn thing since he got this, in the NFL. This guy's 0-3 since the new COD came out. Just wanted to point that out. So yeah, th- just, thank, just, th- thank you for that. Yeah. Just throw, just throwing that out too. So when he said so when he said schematically we're kind of we're, we're boned, I'm like, so 
are you talking about in the game or the game you're playing at home? Like, I want to, I want to know which one you're talking about. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder. I, I want to put this out there. I don't. No one's going to listen to this podcast, so I'm just going to put it out there. If a reporter were to ask Kyler Murray next week if they lose again, hey, uh, Kyler, you're 4-0 since Call of Duty came out. Why do you think that is? If if that guy gets fired for asking that question, I will fucking give my marriage fund to this guy. <laughs> I will do whatever I can to help this man get another job. Somebody has to ask this question. Someone's got to go full court press on this. <laughs> no, because, you know, fuck this guy. He takes no accountability for anything. Yeah. Okay. He put the addendum back in there. He's clearly not studying. Why? What, what are you? Who are you throwing under the bus here? The defense? The defense kept you in the goddamn game. Uh, you didn't do anything in the fourth quarter. You didn't do anything when it actually mattered. The defense tried their damnedest. I mean, that defense is not that good. They tried their damnedest, okay? And you couldn't do anything in the fourth quarter when it matters. You had three drives. You went three and out in the fourth quarter yeah. at the end. You didn't do anything. What about you? Yeah. No, this is this this is a multi-pronged issue. It's it is look, do I do I think there is something wrong with the scheme? I do, yes, because Cliff is not fit for this job. And I think there's a lot of problems on offense. I don't like the offensive personnel that they have. Like besides I mean, besides throwing it up to de DeAndre Hopkins, what else are you doing? Like there's there's no consistency with it. You were able to run the ball yesterday because, well, anyone can run the ball on my defense, but like that's that's just how it is. But like there's no consistency in the offensive scheme following, but it's also, you're right. It is also the fact that Kyler just absolutely refuses outright refuses to take any sort of responsibility for any sort of mishaps in, in his play style or what he's doing. I mean, like, look, man, if this was New York, I, I think he gets eaten alive. Like, you know, Zach Wilson tried pulling that same nonsense a week ago. Guess what happened? He got benched. He will now, never play paid. for the jets again. He's probably never going to play for the Jets again. Now, he's not getting paid nearly as much money about Kyler, but that's guess what? That's because this franchise also enabled him to do that. Yeah. The Jets are not going to do that to Zach Wilson. They're they've, getting everything they deserve, yeah, the Cardinals. That, it's, it's, it's a multi-pronged, multi-level structural disaster, and that's, that's, why, that's why this has happened. But Kyler, like, I'm not sure if he's the heart of the issue, but he's pretty close to it. He's at least, he's at least the stomach. Look. He, there's a lot of problems in Arizona, but it start it starts and ends with him. You enabled this guy. You're stuck with him. He's untradeable. He's untradeable. Like Isn't let me that, let, let me ask you something here. Let's say there's no jobs available in the NFL, but the Cardinals are open. Okay, and they the Cardinals say, "Hey, Sean Payton, you can come in here. You can pick your GM. You you know, blank check. You can have this job." But you got you got to play with Kyler Murray. You think he takes that job? I, I, I think a lot of people were saying the same thing on social media, which I'm going to say here. No, yeah. Like, why would you? Like, that's you want to deal with that headache? And he's and untradeable. Who's yeah. going to want him? Like, yeah, no. I, I, it's it's so polarizing to see him and Herbert across from each other, not just in terms of the fact that Herbert's basically a tree and stands over him, but also in terms of personality and accountability, my God. Oh, by the way, whoever the person was that put that graphic on, on CBS, <laughs> comparing the two people. Yeah, liked, I know exactly what you're talking about. Who, 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 who let that happen in the producers meeting? Like I got, I got to find that person, but 
Yeah, like I mean, those are that's just a it's emblematic, right? Like if you're gonna pick between those two quarterbacks, which ones you wanted to pick, I I'd have to think like nine times, if not ten times out of ten, people are gonna pick Herbert just based on the fact that he's somebody you can at least like work with, you know, like someone oh, that you can actually not deal the problem. with. And, He's no, not the problem in, not, in the, the Chargers situation. No, he's the I, only I, good thing going for them. I agree. I think it's the polar I think it's the polar opposite of what we see here with Kyler. Yeah. Uh yeah. That franchise is a mess, but you know, if Kyler was playing better and I think had more of like an act, you know, leadership qualities or, you know, actual human characteristics, I think they'd be in a better place. I think those guys would be playing harder. I think despite, you know, I think the GM has also screwed them. But despite that, I think that team would be way more competitive than they are, and they just aren't. You know? they. I mean, they should have won that game against the Chargers, and they didn't. No, I agree. All right, Andrew. NFL Week 13 Lions, Lions by BetNow.eu and uh, Caesar Sportsbook to fill in some gaps for us. Got the Cardinals and Panthers on by. Start with the Chris Berman primetime block. Sunday, Titans at Eagles. Eagles favored by six, Andrew, over under 44. What do you like here? I wanted to say this before we get into all these lines, too, uh, real quick. I think we've finally turned the tide on some of these matchups because this week is packed full of good matchups. I think we finally started to figure this out. It was really rough the first two months in the NFL. There was a lot of bad play, a lot of inconsistency, and across the board, we talked about it on ad nauseum, just a lot of just kind of structural mishaps that for a lot of teams. Now we're starting to really get some matchups. It starts with this one. Look, man, the Titans lost a tough one at home against the Bengals. I guess I said earlier, I think their game plan was actually smart and I think they actually had it. I think the Bengals just straight out outplayed them in this case. I think they have a good chance to rebound against the Eagles, and at least in this case, cover because six. Look, also, the Eagles are not covering lately. They are not covering their spreads lately, and they they did not cover against the Colts. They didn't cover against the Texans. They didn't. If they if you got them at seven and a half against the Packers, guess what? They didn't cover that yesterday either. So I I have to go with the trend here. I do believe the Titans can cover this spread. I do think it's going to be tough for them to keep up with the Eagles' offense because also this is going to be an A.J. Brown revenge game, just putting that out there as well. So keep that in mind is in, in the scheme of things. But I think the Eagles can win at home again. Uh, they play really well at home, save for that disaster they had against the, the, the commanders. I think they play very well at home. I like them to take this game here. But I do see the Titans covering. But I think in this case, I'm going to have to go with the under because the Titans, again, want to make this ugly. Oh, total agreement with the under. But uh, I, you know what? It's time to man up here a little bit. I'll take the Titans straight up. Here, here's what's going okay. on. Here's what's going on here. That's a bad Packers team. And there was a couple of plays here and there. That game is more uncomfortable for the Eagles, mm, despite okay. everything that happened. Okay. Now, the Titans, you know what? They, they faced a really good Bengals team. They got beat. Okay. This team definitely has a lot of pride, I think. And here's the key. The Eagles have a, a very good running, uh, you know, running game, but it's it's predicated on a lot of speed and and stuff like that, not power running inside. Okay, mm. it's that's not their game. Their game is a lot of really quick running and 
kind of like beating you on the outside, right? Running, you know, past the, you know, running, running upfield, you know, along the sideline. That's kind of their game. That I don't think is going to work against Tennessee. I think this is actually a really tough matchup for the Eagles. Uh, mm-hmm. They definitely won't cover. If they win, it'll be really close. Um, I don't know that the Eagles can stop them on on defense the way that you're thinking. Um, I think that this this Bengals defense is really underrated. Their defensive head, you know coordinator and he should be getting a head coaching job, but we'll see. Uh, there's no stars on that Bengals defense, and they did that. So I think that's a collective unit. That's a really well um, coordinated defense. That you know that defense Philly they gave up a lot of points against a Packers team that's really struggled. I don't know. I I think they've been kind of hinging a little bit the last couple of weeks here. Like you mentioned, the Colts that game should not have been that close. Uh, the condoms you know ran them over. Um. I I just I think there's a couple there's a couple of losses coming the Eagles way. I I still think they're going to have the best record by the end of the season, but this is one of the ones we worried about a couple weeks back when the Eagles were looking, you know, like they might go undefeated. Um this was one of the ones I called on like this is that'll be a tough one for them, but um things are starting to catch up a little bit and I think Tennessee's the kind of team that's really going to make the Eagles struggle offensively. I think lost in the fold of that game last night. Eagles defense, their run defense, is not doing the job. They're getting, they're having a lot of trouble without Jordan Davis in there. They are really struggling to stop running backs, and that is, that's not what you want to hear when Derrick Henry's coming into town. So I think the Titans are going to have some success running the ball. They got to do the same thing that I think they're going to have a very similar game plan that the Commanders had: control the clock. Don't turn the ball over. And I think they're going to be able to do that. So I, I admire your pick to take them straight up. I think the Eagles find a way to eke out this one. But I would it surprise me if the Titans take this? No. I think they have the the I think they have the right mindset and the right game plan to execute that. So it's going to be very interesting. Should be a great game. Yeah. Speaking of the condoms, Sunday, condoms at Giants. Condoms favored by two and a half over under 40 and a half. What do you like here? Uh, I'm I'm gonna <laughs> I, I'm gonna be a loser here, and as much as I really want to take take my commandos, I can't. Like, here's the thing: this is a really really close matchup. In fact, two and a half seems like a bit much. I'd almost make this a pick 'em because I think these two teams are like dead even in terms of like style and play, in terms of what they're trying to get done and how they win games. Like these two teams could not be more similar in a lot of ways to me. Now, with that being said, I know the Giants have struggled. They've had, they've had a bit of trouble against teams above 500 here in the last few years or last few weeks. And I know that's been the, I know that this, obviously this is qualified as an above 500 opponent. I think the giants get a little bit back on track and they win this game. I think it's going to be really close though. Like this, this spread is really, really close for me. I think they, they can cover and win and I'm going to take the under cause it's going to be that kind of a game. Like both teams are just going to play nasty defense, run the ball just hope that they're quarterback. Here's the thing. I'll say this. It's who you believe you think is going to turn the ball over in the fourth quarter the most because somebody's going to do it, and it might be both teams, but it might be like 2-1 or 2-0 or 3-2 or something. Like there's going to be turnovers in this game. It is going to happen. It's just a matter of when it happens that the victor will be decided. I think the Giants are going to have luck in their favor this week, but this game is really close for me. So I'm taking the Giants to cover in the under. 
I'm definitely feeling a, a Taylor Heineke turnover pass, you know, <laughs> uh, interception at some sure. point in that ball game. But look, I'm I'm going to go ahead and take the condoms here. I think they're actually capable of making the playoffs and actually winning a playoff game. I've never thought that about the Giants. Like, mm. even at their peak, like, oh, I think they can get in the playoffs, but I didn't think they were going to win a game. Sure. This, is, I, this condoms team, that run game is really dangerous, uh, especially come playoff time. The defense is really playing, you know, peak right now. So, I don't know. I like this condoms team. The Giants, it's just, I think just they've done a great job up until now. I just think the limitations are catching up to them at this point. And it seems like the condoms are, are finding late season, you know, through Tyler Heineke, what they are, right? They're yeah. kind of finding themselves. So I just think it's now, you know, what's funny about this game though, is the condoms, the condoms um, play this game and then they have a bye. And then guess who they play when they come off of bye? play the giants again. <laughs> So, Seriously? Yeah. So they're playing uh, on Sunday, and then on the 18th of December, they play the Giants again, but they wow. play the Giants at home. So super weird. And then on the Giants' side, they play the Condoms, right, this Sunday, and then they play Philly, and then they play the Condoms again. So, <laughs> wow. It just, I think it's going to be a really tough beat for the Giants. They, that might be an 0-3 run right there. That might be. That's that's tough. That's a tough one. Uh, definitely don't think they did him any favors. So, uh, But, yeah, I like the condoms here, and uh, I definitely like the under for sure. Man, that, that schedule makers, I'm not sure what they were thinking on that one. That's weird. That's <laughs> I think, so weird. I think they were thinking... I think they were thinking like, ah, oh, these two teams are going to be terrible. Fuck these guys. <laughs> and Let's then, just get, get, get it over and done exactly. with. Exactly, yeah. They were just like, ah, fuck it. It's going to be bad. Um Dolphins Sunday Dolphins at 49ers 49ers favored by three and a half over under 46 what do you like here spicy meatball this one I really like this I like this uh spread a lot especially for the Dolphins I like it a lot the Mike uh, Mike McDaniels returning to the scene of the crime I think he knows how to play this this run game man I think he has all the tools to get ready for this 49ers offense Elijah Mitchell's going to be out for San Francisco, so they'll they'll rely on their other running backs, which not that they're short so short supply of at any point, but I like this Dolphins cover man. In fact, I'm going to go on a limb and say they're going to win. I think they're going to go out into San Francisco and win this game. Also, I don't know why 49ers seem to struggle against this Dolphins team like historically, but they I think they're going to struggle in this case. I think this is going to be a really good game overall. I think I, I think I like the under here. I think that it's going to be conducive for the dolphins to play really good defense, which I think they're very much capable of doing here and they'll do enough on offense that we're going to get, uh, some, some pretty good results from their side. So yeah, I like the dolphins cover and the under, I like the the dolphins straight up as well. And I think the main battle they got to win is they just have to give Tua enough time. And if Mm. Tua can get enough time, I mean, this is going to be a really challenging for the 49ers because I, I think the way that they really beat them is in the passing game. And once that passing game gets going, then they can start running the ball. Um, but I, I, I think that's what you have to do. You got to spread them out first. And you got to, you got, you got to let Tyreek Hill do his thing and you got to let, um, uh, boy waddle. You got to let them do their thing to really, I think make this much easier ball game. But, to me, you know, this game, 
I, no matter what, I'll take the, you know, if I just have to choose a cover, I'll take Miami to cover for sure. But for Miami to truly do what they've been doing, they got to win up front. Uh, at least give him enough time to, that is, to, to do his thing, which, you know, lately they have been, but it's been against some, uh, let's say, weaker competition. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They, look, the, here, here's the thing. On this win streak, they've beaten Steelers, Lions, Bears, Browns, Texans. Not exactly, uh, not exactly the best teams in the NFL. Now they have beaten the Bills, they have beaten the Patriots, they have beaten the Ravens. Those mm-hmm. are good teams, but this is the this is the first test in the last, you know, since that Vikings loss. This is the first real test. So, look, if they can win this thing, I mean, the especially if Tua has a big game again, uh, some of those MVP conversations. I still don't think he'll be MVP no matter what, but uh, look. It's hard to argue with, you know, that he's playing well at this point. He is, but I, I go back to the same thing that Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is getting better. Jimmy! Back Jimmy, which Jimmy is getting, which Jimmy is going to show up here is going to be interesting too. I yeah, think exactly. Might, I, <laughs> that's always a wild card. I think also this game has some of the best skill position players like in, in the league, you got a really great matchup of skill. If you just like watching guys run down the field or catch the ball and run with the ball in their hands, this is a really fun matchup. It's just a matter of who could distribute the ball better. And I think Tua is distributing it better in every way, shape, or form. I think he's going to do a really good job on Sunday and getting the ball out quick because I will say, I mean, this 49er defense is nothing to sniff at too. That's the other thing. They've obviously been, I mean, they just came off, they just came off a shutout at home. So that's something to also consider as well. But this is, again, I know just really quality matchup. Mm, No doubt about it. Let me, let me ask you something before we move on. Who's your top three MVP candidates this year? So far. Uh, I think it's Mahomes. Yeah. I got to throw a Hertz in there just because of what he's doing on both sides of the ball. I, I may, I really want to put Josh Allen there. It's just been tough with the elbow injury and it's been cut. It's it, I, 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 I think at the beginning, he really had a lot of momentum. He's kind of slowed down recently. So it's, it's been tough to sort of, sort of keep him into the conversation, but I, I would say those two for sure. But for, honestly, I'm kind of struggling with a third option because I mean, there's, there's guys who I think are doing a lot with, with very little, like, you know, Herbert's been playing through a rib injury. You've had Burrow, who's had to play without Chase for a while. Um, you've had, I mean, you've had guys like Derrick Henry have to step up. Uh, I mean, you could argue, I mean, I know it's never going to happen because receivers don't win this award, but I mean, you could argue for a guy like Tyreek Hill, you know. That's that's really my wins. number three. My that's o- number three? Yeah, my order is Mahomes one, uh, Hurts two, just because of the winning, and Tyreek Hill three. Uh, yeah. I, I think... You know, usually it's the quarterback that makes the receiver. I mean, the receiver is making the quarterback. Okay. Yeah. What he does is incredible. Look, I, and then look, I have to give to a credit. When he's not in the game, they don't win. When he's in the game, they win. True. Okay. So give him credit. Like, clearly he's part of why that offense is successful. And he's playing the scheme, you know, perfectly right now. So no, no bones about it. He's right for this team. He, he's the right quarterback. But that machine does not go unless Tyreek Hill is who he is. So, you know, I think if if we're picking just best football player, it might be him. Just if you just take away the importance of the QB, which obviously it's very important. But just as a football player, 
I think he's having just one of the all-time seasons. Now, a guy that is kicking down the door and could come in and maybe steal this MVP, Joe Burrow. Mm, Joe yeah. Burrow is is doing some the last couple of weeks here. I'm definitely smelling the the kind of run he had last season. And the thing I love about his game, Andrew, more than anybody else, he play he, he plays the opponent, not the scheme so much. Yeah. He he plays the opponent. So like it's always like when he when he runs, for example, to like get a first down, it's always the right time. When it's time to, you know, hand off the ball a lot, which they did against the Titans, he's happy to do that. It's kind of like what Tom Brady, you know, would do in his prime too. Like it didn't matter, you know, the stats didn't ra- really matter too much. And if you look at his, you know, his box score against the Titans, it's fine, but if you watched him play, man, he was playing some of his best football, I think, as a pro against the Titans. Um, made, the, you know, the most timely throws. That that one to Irwin obviously was, like, maybe the game-changing moment of the game. Um, I don't know. Look out for, for Joe Burrow to come in and steal this thing. He's trying. So uh, let's move on. All right. Uh, speaking of those Bengals, Sunday Chiefs at Bengals. Chiefs favored by two and a half over under 51 and a half. What do you like here? I guess this was supposed to be a revenge tour for the other teams playing the Bengals because you're getting back-to-back weeks of of the Bengals playing teams that they beat in the playoffs last year. (laughs) And they already beat this Chiefs team in the regular season at home last year. Uh, Look, I I think this is going to be a a barn burner. This is going to be – I hope Chase comes back for this game because this is going to be really fun to watch on Sunday, but I like what this Bengals team is doing, man. I really was impressed by what they did with the Titans. And I think they got a chance to do something really special here. This chiefs team has stacked a lot of good wins. They've had a lot of good moments and Mahomes has been playing outstanding. I think this is going to be a tough one for them to go into Cincinnati and win this game. I think Cincinnati's feeling themselves. I'm taking them straight up and I'm taking the over. Yeah, I like I, I'm in agreement with you. I like the Cincinnati's cover and the over. I think this might be the game Lou Amarillo gets himself head coaching job because uh yeah. that defense seemed to really have a nose for how to handle Mahomes. And and you know, same thing happened last year. This Hubbard, ninety-four from the Bengals, this Hubbard, you know Same Hubbard, yeah. Yeah. This guy, I don't know, he's not a star. He should be. I don't know why he isn't. This guy, he just uh he finds a way, this guy. Yeah. And watch out for him on Sunday because he's the one guy that's kind of been able to chase down Mahomes a couple times. Um, yeah, I, I really like this Bengals team, especially at home. I, I think that crowd's going to be fucking insane. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's pretty insane how, how, how important this game has become. And, I mean, this is – we're starting to get into seeding territory here. Like, this is really important in terms of that as well. So – I think I, I think this is going to be a really fun game, but I, I really love the way that they played Mahomes in the playoffs last year, especially with how, like you said, Sam Hubbard and those defensive ends just crashing down and not letting Mahomes run outside of the pocket and really having to contain him. Now, has he played really well inside the pocket this year? Absolutely. Yes, he has. He's done a really good job, especially with the receivers he has. But I, I think this is playing right into the Bengals' hands. This is going to be a really fun time in Cincinnati on Sunday. Yep, absolutely. Uh, a name to look out for as well, Andrew, besides uh, Hubbard. 
Hendrickson, and there's one more guy I was very impressed, DJ Reader, the tackle. I mean, there was one play I saw. They they had to <laughs> they double teamed him. They he still pushed two offensive linemen back and it allowed for this uh big sack uh against uh Tannehill. I I, I It'd be very interesting to watch this defensive matchup. I, I kind of can't wait for it. I think Cincinnati can win that matchup on the line there. So look yeah. out for that. Yeah. The, these uh, these Chris Bourbon primetime games all feel like playoff games, whether it's for seeding purposes oh, yeah. or just, you know, hey, we're, we're competing with a, you know, a playoff team here. I agree. Yeah. To continue that, there's a couple more of these as well, actually. These are pretty close to being in that uh, Chris Berman slot. B-Dubs Express, the Watchables, Thursday night, Bills at Patriots. Bills only favored by 5.5, over under 44.5. What do you like here? Um, can we throw more than three passes in Buffalo this time, Bill? Like, <laughs> I, I think would, that'll I, happen. <laughs> I, please, for the love of God. I think they have to. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's, let's not let a wind tornado blow through this time. Um, so Bills finally... Uh, or actually, I should—I misspoke. I actually thought it was in Buffalo. It's not. It's in New England. Um, but point being, um, look, I think this Bills team is doing enough to win right now. I think they'll be fine. I do think the Patriots cover at home because that is, you know, five and a half. I still think is is a bit much at this time. I think they're w- learning to win close games because I don't think they're in the capacity to blow teams out at the moment. So I, I do think that this is going to be a close Bills win. But look. Their offense is being a little molasses right now. Again, I think Josh's elbow is still a little messed up. I do like the Bills' defensive matchup against the Patriots' offense, which is why I'm really taking them in this matchup. I think this this is something that the Bills will be able to, to take care of. I, I'm i going to take the over because I think the Bills will put up enough points to push it over, but this is going to be another very interesting game in Foxborough. Yeah, I got the Patriots covering here. Um we finally saw a little bit of the Mac Jones from last season in that Minnesota game. So hopefully we see a little bit more of that if the Patriots are to cover here. And this Bills team, it, it seemed very trying for them to beat that Lions team. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I mean, it seemed like it was a struggle. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, it feels like the team is struggling right now. Do I think they're going to win? I think so, but... That, you know, if I'm not really certain, then I feel like the Patriots could cover this. So mm-hmm. I'll take the Patriots in the over. I definitely think some points are going to get scored here. Um, yeah. Uh, quick note, too, because this was actually brought up to me by my comrade. This is not a short rest for both teams because they both played on Thanksgiving last week. So right. they're two back to back Thursdays. So it's not of this like four games nonsense. So right, right. That's something to also keep in mind here. Yeah, interesting. Interesting yeah. point there. Uh, Sunday Jets at Vikings. Vikings favored by three here, over under 43 and a half. What do you like? I, I like the Mike White show. That's yeah. what I like. I'm, I'm all about yeah. the Mike White train. Look, can he put back-to-back performances together? That's the key because this happened a couple of years ago where he could not do that, and I think that's something to be said. I do think that he finally, finally unlocked some of the offensive playmakers for this team last week. Garrett Wilson is awesome, great rookie receiver for the Jets. Finally, Elijah Mitchell or Elijah Moore, excuse me, comes out of the out of the shadows and scores finally at the beginning, his first touchdown of the year. And so I think the Jets have a really good shot to cover here. I almost want to take them straight up. I think this this is always going to be fun playing the Vikings because it's going to come down like to a field goal at the end. So 
I now that that is scary because if it is minus three, it's going to be a push. If it is a field goal, so that's the only that's the only concern here. But I do think that the Jets have a good chance to cover and play. I think their defense can get after Kirk. If Christian Darrisaw is not playing, they're going to have trouble, man. Like they're really going to have trouble with this pass rush, and Kirk's going to be ha- having some some fits. Also. The Jets actually have somebody that can match up on Justin yeah, Jefferson. Yeah, I was his just name, gonna say that. Is it's it it's his name is Sauce Gardner, and he has a real chance to help kind of limit Jefferson's production. So I, I I think this is a really tough matchup for the Vikings. So I'm gonna go ahead and say, I'm actually gonna say the under here. I think this is gonna be a really struggling game. I really do, and I think the Jets have a chance to cover in Minnesota. This is gonna be a really really tough game for the for the Vikings. Uh, you know what? Time to be brave again. I I think the Jets win straight up here. Yeah, and I like and I like the over. Um, and here's why I like the over. I think the Jets are gonna slap the shit out of them. And uh, <laughs> really? uh, yeah, I think the Jets are gonna slap the shit out of them, and it's gonna be some Kirk Cousins junk time at the end. I, I get a I get the feeling that they're just gonna be overwhelmed by that defense. Uh, I don't even. It doesn't matter to me if Darisaw is in there or not. He's coming in injured no matter what if he plays. Yeah. Um, I I just don't see it. My only thing to the Jets is don't get too cute. If Sauce yeah. Gardner is struggling a little bit with Jefferson, adjust and just double cover him. Because yeah. Sauce Gardner can definitely take out Adam Thielen if oh, that's yeah. the case. Don't oh, get yeah. cute. To me, like, just double team Jefferson and and don't get cute. If, if Sauce isn't winning it, you know, if – if uh, if he's getting going a little bit, double cover him. Don't get cute. But I look, I don't expect another 300 yards and three touchdowns from Mike White. But uh, you know, a couple touchdowns is good enough because yeah. you can definitely rush on the Vikings defense. And um, look, my and my other thing to the Jets: don't give up on Mike White if he struggles in this game. He he, he should have never been taken out in the first place after that first game he had. I know he had a really bad game after that, you know, his first debut. You, you got to give this a chance here. Zach Wilson, he's done. He's done. Like, he will never play for the Jets again. I'm telling you right now. Never playing for the Jets again. Yeah. He's a bust. He didn't even dress, dude. He went from from starting. He didn't even dress. Yeah. And, looking, and, like, looking like Anakin Skywalker over there. Well, look, like, I get it. I get it. Like, uh, you know, if I'm the head coach, like, I'm kind of stuck with this guy, you know, like we, we drafted him in number two overall, but like he gave us the excuse to get rid of his ass finally. So we got rid of his ass and, you know, kudos to you for saying, you know what, they should start Mike White. And you were right. You know, I, I wanted to be safe and do Joe Flacco. If you're going to start Mike White, start Mike White for the rest of the season. Okay. L- let him actually have this thing and let's see what he is. Cause we'll, we'll find out. Cause they could go to the playoffs here. This Jets yeah. team. Oh yeah. Let's find out because it, if you can if you can win with Mike White, imagine imagine if you can win with Mike White with the squad. Now you don't have to pay somebody, you know, quarter of a billion dollars like Russell Wilson. Uh that's way better, you know? Uh yeah. well, if you win with Mike White. Well also just gives them options, you know, like if they really want if they want to go draft another guy and, you know, maybe develop him and figure it out later on, they can do that, you know. But it gives at least at least it can buy them time while they figure that out and this this team starts to assemble itself. But yeah, uh, it, that's no, I, I agree. I think it's just good to see it's good to see them go the other way. 
Uh, look, it's very telling, like you were saying, about how obviously this coaching staff doesn't trust Zach Wilson. Another trend that's been going on this year, if your quarterback's throwing less than 20 passes a game, staff doesn't like does not want to have you throwing the ball like that's just straight up that's that in this day and age that's a really telling sign to me and they clearly had no interest in doing that with with zach wilson yep absolutely uh all right sunday jags at lions lions favored by one andrew over over under 52 and a half or just 52 sorry what do you like here yeah i mean this is basically a pick 'em. Uh, like this is uh this is some gonna be some weird voodoo magic i i mean none of these teams are going to the playoffs this is probably our first like non-playoff matchup since in the, in the slate but i i i think this lions team as i said can score at home they did enough against buffalo they just had their own mismanagement which we talked about at the top of the show i think the jags have a really good chance to win here and i think i like what they're doing now they got to be careful about their aggressiveness because they get over their skis a little bit sometimes when they do that but i do think they have a chance to walk into detroit and get this game uh this is going to be another shootout it's going to be really weird i do think it's going to go over but i actually like the jags here straight up yeah i i i like it give me jags 40 to 36 uh, I think it's going to be a behemoth scoring and no defense. And look, let me ride with these Jags. You know, I wanted them last week. I took them to cover. I'm going to keep riding the Jags. Look, I, I really like this Jags team. I think it's because I'm a Trevor Lawrence fan, but he, he had his first big, you know, you know, quarter of a billion dollar franchise QB moment last week. Uh, that, that fourth quarter drive was fucking insane. I mean, three back-to-back plays where he was just, killing it you know um yeah give me give me the jags and the over for sure uh i can't believe this one's on here andrew this was so close so close to making it to chris bourbon yeah. sunday chargers at raiders chargers favored by Ugh. two and a half over under 50 and a half what do you got here you know i'm glad they went for it for two just because it meant the game was gonna be over on sunday because i i couldn't take any more of it i was done <laughs> i was i I'd, I'd had enough I was I was over it. Look, uh, Herbert is pulling this team as much as he can. He is trying his damnedest because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things functionally that are just so frustrating about this team. Uh, we'll see if they get Mike Williams back for this game. That would really help them out. Obviously, Keenan finally looked like himself on Sunday, coming back from his hamstring injury. Finally, the kind of the game that receivers to work out a little bit. Obviously, Herbert, he seems like he's in full form now. It's really, it, it was very nice to see him be able to just kind of make the throws that he needed to down the stretch. His defense, I think, is just opportunistic at this point. If they don't get turnovers, they're going to be in trouble. And that's a big problem because Mr. Josh Jacobs just hulked the Seahawks defense on Sunday. And this is a terrible matchup for the Chargers as far as that goes. I think he's guaranteed to get 150 rushing yards. Now, the real question is is if the Raiders are going to be able to punch it in on the red zone, which is the one thing the Chargers kind of do to teams where they, like, give up a lot of yards, but sometimes they don't let them punch it in. So it's really dependent on that. But there's going to be a couple big runs from Jacobs on Sunday. Uh, The Chargers don't cover for sure. They just don't. That's just not what they do. But as far as, like, a result goes, man, I don't know about you, but, like, this is such a coin flip. I literally don't know. (laughs) <laughs> like who's going to trip over first in the fourth quarter. Like that really feels like that just is how it feels to me in this game. Definitely taking the over though. I don't, th- I think there are going to be some points in this game. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this is going to go into overtime and I think the Raiders win again. 
Uh, I think it's going to be the third game in a row that the Raiders go into overtime and win again. Um, they did it to the Broncos. They just did it to the Seahawks. Uh, I love the over here as well. Your team should win because our secondary is terrible. But then here's the problem for your offense. They don't have anybody to stop Crosby, and he's been on a tear for the last three games. He's got almost 11. He's had 10 and a half sacks right now. Uh, and he's really been turning it up the last two games, especially, actually, I should say. I have a feeling, you guys, it's either you're going to have some big plays or Herbert's on the ground in duress. Uh, it's one or the other. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I don't think it's going to be, you know, clean pocket. Uh, I think it'll be some clean pocket, and it'll be he's just running for his life. So, uh, And Josh Jacobs, I mean, I think you're right. I don't think he's going to do 300 yards again. But I think we're going to see a lot more of the same. I mean, they're going to have a hard time, you know, getting him. I, I do think it really is a contingent on who's starting at right tackle. And it's not uh, – I pray it's yep. not Storm Norton. I, I think <laughs> – Let's I, see Storm I, Norton again. <laughs> no, I, I, I can't believe he's still on the roster, man. Like, it's driving me nuts. I think Trey Pipkins hopefully starts. And then you have Zion Johnson. This is a different combo, um, obviously. Now – they were kind of able to slow Crosby up a little bit in the first matchup. We'll see about it this time around. Yeah. Obviously, Slater Slater's not there this time around. That's which is the key also the right there. That's really a big one, too. I, I like Jamar Stallion has done an excellent job as a rookie. Like, I cannot believe he's played as well as he has at left tackle. But it's still a rookie. And that's, you know, that's something to consider there as well. So we'll see. It's, I don't know. This is going to be a really wild matchup, as it always is between our two teams. Yeah. That would be the one thing for me, I think. Okay, if the Raiders are going to make something happen, it's got to be Crosby makes a play here or there, which I'm kind of counting on. Um, yeah. Let's go to Phil Simms' Bland Bananas. There's not too many Bland Bananas this week, the barely watchables. Uh, Sunday Packers at Bears, not a terrible game, honestly. Packers by 2.5 over under 42.5. What do you like here? Are we finally get, getting the Peter Man? Because they denied us on Sunday. They, they denied I know. us our glory. So close. They were so close to it. Uh, look, can I just say something? And I'm, I'm going to sound crazy. But there's one thing I kind of liked last night in that in that Eagle game. I kind of liked what Jordan Love was doing. I was going to say, I, I think it's I know, time to start him. I know it was a small sample size. And I he know Christian okay. Watson helped yeah. him out. But he's he, he just looked better than he did against Kansas City last year. Like, he didn't yeah. look as scared. He looks more confident in his throws. His receivers dropped two of his passes, which one of them was a sideline route by Jones, Aaron Jones, and then the other one was like a touchdown. It could have, would have been a touchdown to Randall Cobb. Like, I, I think he just looked a little, lot more decisive. I, I Look, at this point, if you're the Packers, you got what do you have to lose at this point? Because you're not making the playoffs. You, you need to, at some point, talk to Aaron Rodgers and be like, look, man, you're beat up. You should not be playing. Like, this needs to be a situation where they got to be able to just kind of shut him down for the season and then think about the off season. But look, if you're going to try and figure out this Jordan love thing, do it right now, man. Like this is it. Like you got to do this right now and figure this out because you can't just be running around with this mystery for the rest of eternity. This is the perfect time. Yeah. To give him a shot against this, against this bears team. And, and you know what, Andrew, I got to apologize. Okay. I, I got to apologize here. I was wrong. I said that the I said that Green Bay was going to go seven and ten. 
I was wrong. They're gonna go. They're gonna go six and eleven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just. My point is, I think it's gonna be hard for them even to get to seven at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I'm in agreement with you. I, I don't know exactly what you said, but I, I think the Packers cover here. I like the under, uh, just because I just think the Bears are gonna really have a hard time scoring, especially with the Peterman in there. I mean, they could barely put up <laughs> ten points. Um, I, I I think this is the best time to start. Jordan Love. Um, this team is not very good, this Bears team. I think you can get a win with him there. He's, he played okay. And like I said, that Eagles game was way closer than it should have been. Um, yeah. and, you know, a couple catches are made. You know, that, you know, that that's a close game. So yeah. I, I, I'm in agreement with you. I don't think you're crazy. I think that's the move. But, you know, for the Packers, they're 4-8 they're and eight right now. They got the Bears, Rams, Dolphins, Vikings, Lions. Um I think they'll be lucky to win three more, honestly. Yeah, I, I think actually, to be fair, I didn't say what my pick was. I, I am going to take Packers cover and under. But here's the thing. I think this team has kind of reverted kind of to where the Steelers are right now, where it's yeah. like they're a, year, they're a year away from being a year away. But I do think they have a lot of interesting pieces. My biggest thing about them is they got to they got to change defensive coordinators like Joe Barry. Joe Barry ain't it, man. Like I. I think this defense has enough talent to do some things, but they're just getting absolutely shredded yeah. on the ground. Like they are getting massacred on the ground and it's just not, it's a, it's not working. I think they got to do something about that in the off season. I don't know why their special teams continues to be terrible. Despite the fact that they have rich Passaccia, like Pit boss. <laughs> I, the, I, I don't know why pit boss hasn't been able to fix it. Maybe they're, I'm not sure if they're just like not, I think it's the roster. Do you think it might be the roster? It really might be, but they got to figure that out going forward. So, yeah. Yeah, they've got it. I think now's the time for a little tinkering and experimentation because, yeah, this this season is lost. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Bridge to nowhere. Oh, no, we missed one here. Monday night, Saints at Bucks. Bucks favored by five and a half over under 40. Who do you like here? Uh, I like the under big time because, like I said, Brady can't play Dennis Allen. And look, Dennis Allen against this Buccaneers offense. I mean, he's going to have a field day like this team, this Bucks team. I don't know what the hell their damage is, man. Like, I don't get I know. it. I, I know. don't get it. They just they they they've just seem really lost right now. And it's I was with you. I thought they were going to start to have some momentum and get back. They they completely botched it against Cleveland like they they blew it. And look, do I think they can win this game? I do. I don't know if they cover because, again, the Saints team is the weirdest team on the planet. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and give them the benefit of the doubt, but I don't feel good about it. And I'd rather stay away from that line. But yeah, this, this Bucks team just, just cannot get any offensive momentum. And it really, look, their offensive line is shot. And now worth Tristan worse is going to be out three to four weeks. Like they've got, they're having, they're having the same issues as the Rams, man. I think their offensive line is on par with the Rams in some ways. Like they're really, really having a lot of hard time. like blocking anybody. Well, that's been the story with, with the Bucks all year long, right? is that ever since, you know, preseason with Jensen, the center getting hurt and they had another one of their, their, you know, prime Super Bowl um, offensive linemen retire on them, you know, it, it's been a struggle on the line. That's really the fundamental problem with this Bucks team is they just can't get the protection that Brady needs. Um, as far as this game goes, look, I think, I think, I think the Bucks get some help again from the refs. Last time you recall, we got very upset in week two. 
Saints really, you know, they got boned on some penalties by the Zebras. And that game really shouldn't have been as close as it is. Now, I agree. Bet the house on the under. There's no way this is going over 40. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Bucks here. I just can't tell people to, to bet on the Saints here. I just can't <laughs> do it. Yeah. I can't do it. But, I mean, this is out of all the games this weekend, this is the one I would least want to bet on. Probably this yeah. one and one of the Montezuma special games. This is the game I'd want to bet on the least. So let's uh, let's move on. Uh, Bridge to nowhere. Sunday, Steelers at Falcons. Falcons favored by a point and a half over under 42. What do you like here? Uh, those frisky Falcons, man. Uh, they they could have won against the Commanders, just had a, a bad tip in the end zone and got picked off. They They were in that game the entire time. I, I like him at home here. Like, I know the Steelers seems also a little frisky, but I, I like the Falcons at home here to, to cover and to probably, I think, take the under. That's a really tricky line, but I think they are just going to run the ball and play it safe at home. But they really, look, they're in a, they're in a position to try and win this division, man. Like, they got to keep playing. They got to keep playing hard, and I think they can. I'm going to go ahead and say they win overall maybe by three or four points. So definitely taking the cover and the under. Yeah, I like the Falcons here for sure. Uh, I underestimated how good the condoms were last week. That That's where I went wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I underestimated that. Uh, but look, the Falcons, I think if they executed a couple different plays better, um, there was a couple of mistakes in there too. <laughs> uh, I, they could have won that ball game. You know, they had, they had their chances, I think, the Falcons. They, they kind of blew it. Give the condoms credit. But, uh, yeah, I like the Falcons as well. I like the under here. I just don't think the Steelers are going to be capable of scoring a lot. Um, Yeah, Falcons and the under. Uh, Last one here for Bridge to Nowhere. Sunday night, Colts at Cowboys. Cowboys getting nine and a half, favored by nine and a half. Over under 43 and a half. What do you like here? That's a big spread at home. but That's a big number. It is a big number, but and I know the Cowboys got backdoor covered against the Giants on, th- on Thanksgiving. Yeah, but man, this Colts team—I I don't know if I can really trust them to do anything. Like Michael Parsons is going to kill Matt Ryan. Like he's he's in so much trouble. I I think this Cowboys team is going to be able to do enough at home, and I think they actually are going to cover the spread because I just do not trust this Colts offense whatsoever. Period, and. I'm actually going to take the, the the slide over, but that's because I think the Cowboys are going to put up a lot of points on this team. I think the Colts team is going to be a little worn out during this matchup. Yeah, I... It's a big number. I still got to take the Cowboys. I, I, I just don't buy this Jeff Saturday thing. Uh, right now, okay, we're recording this Monday night here. Uh, right now, Pittsburgh is down 16-17 to 17 against this Colts team. So who knows how that game ends, but I, I just, I don't believe in this, in this Colts thing. I, I just don't. So give me the Cowboys and the under. I just don't think the Colts are going to be able to score enough points uh, against this Cowboys defense. Let's go ahead and go to Montezuma special, Andrew, and wrap this thing up. Ooh, this is, these are some big games. <laughs> Sunday Broncos at Ravens. Ravens favored by eight. I can't believe it's that low. Over or under 38 and a half. What do you like here? I look, 
I I don't know what the Ravens' damage is, especially in these fourth quarters. But if there's one game I don't think they're going to blow it in, it's this game. Like, man, this Broncos team cannot score. Now, I know the Ravens are having a lot of trouble scoring in ter- certain times, as, and this Broncos defense has been outstanding. Like, they really have been. But I I got to think that the Ravens find a way to cover at home. I'm gonna definitely taking the under for sure. Like, this is just going to be a putrid game in a lot of ways at least for the Broncos are concerned. So yeah, it's give me the under and give me that Ravens cover. Yeah. Total agreement. I think the Ravens blow them out. Uh, I think this is an under, um, this is the kind of, this is the kind of game. I think the Ravens just hammer the opponent. Um, yeah. Eh, now, now the move would have been Andrew had Hackett gotten fired. That's what I would have been like, okay, give me the Broncos here. This is the perfect situation. But they, you know, they haven't fired him, and I don't. If it hasn't happened today on a Monday, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen this week, right? So, no, no. go ahead and give me the Ravens here. Uh, Sunday, Browns at Texans. Browns favored by seven, over under forty five points. This is Deshaun Watson. Uh, I mean, Bill Cosby's first game back. Uh, what do you like? What do you like here, Andrew? Uh, I don't like anything about it for all the above, for all the above mentioned reasons. I almost don't even want to watch this game. I don't want to watch this game. I just don't. Uh, look, I guess Brown's covering under because this Texans team is so listless. They're terrible. Yeah. I don't like them at all. I almost feel like this was like schematically set up so that Deshaun Watson would come back to Houston. And I just, I just think the scene's going to be so ugly down there. Like, yeah. I don't want anything to do with that. I, if I'm like, if I were a fan, would I really want to pay money to go see this game in person? Like, what, what, what benefit do I have? You're watching two listless teams, two franchises that are like stuck in the mud. You're basically endorsing this guy to play for entertainment for you, and I don't believe that he should be playing at all. Period. Right now, I, I can't, I can't in good conscience watch this or endorse that anyone would pay good money to watch this. Like, it's just, it, it feels like, it just feels like a sideshow and I don't, I don't want to see it. So I, yeah, I mean, Brown's covering under, but I really just do not want to watch this. This is one of the things that makes me just not want to watch football or NFL football. This is just one of those, I, you know, the concussion thing. I just didn't like that. The NFL just wouldn't admit it. You know, it's yeah. obvious, you know, like, of course this can cause this thing. Like, that well, that wasn't great, but how they have handled how they've handled some of these off-field matters, in particular with focus on domestic violence, has been awful. They have an awful record on this, and they keep getting it wrong. And you know, this is not revisionist history at all. I, I said this then. I think you said this then as well. You know, he only is getting this opportunity because he was such a good you know quarterback when he was playing. But, like, this was their opportunity to make an example. You do this, you're out of here. You you know, you, you, you do this kind of crime, you're out of here. You're not worthy to play in the NFL. We don't care who you are. They had a real opportunity. And at the end of the day, you know, if there was a 30 for 30 on this one day, which there might be, was it worth it? The answer is going to be no, Andrew. The answer is going to be no. So... I will not be watching this game. I will be actively avoiding watching this game if possible. Um, but uh, 
since degenerates have no pride or respect, Andrew, Brian's co- Brown's cover and the under. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, sea chickens at Rams. Seahawks getting or favored by five points over under 42. What do you like here? This is what I would like to call a get right game. Yes. Because this, is a, this is very much a get right game for the Seahawks. Look, yes. Tough going, tough going for them. Uh, they're, I know Geno Smith turned it over a couple times against the Raiders, and they look, they were moving the ball up and down the field. Yeah. I do think their offense is still is going to be fine. Their defense has been slowing up a little bit, but this Rams team is so listless. There's no way that I trust them. And Seahawks have already been in LA and won once this year. That was against my boys. I think they're going to do the same here. I take them the cover, and I definitely take the over. I think the Seahawks team is going to be just fine, but they also they have to now because they lost their playoff positioning to the Commandos this past week. So they've got <laughs> they've, they've got to, they've got to start putting their foot on the gas pedal again. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely a, Alex. Can I get a get right game for five hundred for sure? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think they smoke the Rams. And look, here's the problem with the Seahawks defense: if they can't get pressure on the quarterback, they're in trouble. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened with the Raiders, which is surprising because the Raiders pass, you know, pass blocking has been horrendous this season. And for some reason, I mean, Carr was comfortable back there and he, he played probably his best game this season. Mm. Um, I don't think that happens. This Rams, this Rams offensive line is atrocious. And um, yeah, I, I'm in total agreement. I think the Rams uh, get smoked Seahawks cover and the over. I, I just think Seahawks are going to lay it on them. Uh, yeah. Andrew, that's the lines for week 13. Uh, before we get out of here, any comments, anything? I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen this week in between you and I as far as this Vegas thing goes, but uh, it's going to be really interesting, man. I It's it's literally a coin flip in my head. I, <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen with our game. I think we're one bad play call away from the Roomba turning into the Death Star or the Death oh Star turning gosh. into the Roomba. So I'll leave just, it there. <laughs> just make sure you can toggle the on and off switch correctly. Yeah, exactly. Charge up the Roomba before you start vacuuming <laughs> up those losses. Andrew, a pleasure as always, and we'll uh, we'll catch up soon, all right? For sure, man. Thanks as always.